Arts of Spirituality podcast. This is your host, Myra. This podcast takes us on a journey to finding new ways of spirituality that can help us ascend to our higher self and be one with the universe. Hi friends, today we have Rebecca Steele here with us. She is the owner of Donaxine Botanicals and the Two Holes Garden. She practices Mesoamerican Ethnobani, bringing the knowledge of her ancestors to her products and helping us decolonize our medicine to bringing us a more holistic approach. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I usually ask all my podcast guests how their spirituality started because I feel that when you get started on your spirituality, you feel so alone. Like all these things happen to you and then it's like, does it ever happen to anyone else? Or how can you relate to anyone? Because sometimes you feel so alone going through your spiritual journey, especially in the beginning. So how did your spirituality start? Well, you know, the earth has, it's always been my church. There's no place indoors that can ever match the immense reverence and clarity I feel when I'm, I'm grounded, connected to the earth. And that's kind of where my garden business stemmed from. I, I did teaching a lot before, but I always did gardening. I always did stuff, a lot of stuff outside. And so just being outside and connecting with nature is like part of my spirituality. It's been part of my life, like my whole life. Um, but it seems like as I get older and more disciplined with, with things like meditation and dream work and, you know, even chanting, those things just kind of work themselves into my my career my home life more and you know it's not it it starts to become less personal and so then you start to to expand you know and 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 your spirituality grows into all those nooks and crannies in your life yeah absolutely especially the moment that you are aware that nature is alive and it can reciprocate energy that's the moment that you're already spiritual where you acknowledge others energy such as like the plants or whatnot yeah, exactly. The word tonaktin, can you tell our listeners what this word translates to and what is the personal connection that you have with this word? So tonaktin means uh, our sacred mother in the Nahuatl language. Um, and that's the language of the Mexica or the Aztecs. Um, it can be a title for any of their goddess aspects if you do, if you study any more of their spirituality. Um, but most often it's associated with the Virgin Guadalupe. Um, and it's because the translation was, you know, of uh, Juan Diego's translation, the, the man that saw the Virgin Guadalupe. He was a Nahuatl man, and so he spoke Nahuatl. And, you know, they translated all those stories and, and into Spanish and, and Latin. So from his language and point of reference, he described the vision of Virgin Mary as Tonatzin. I, I have problems with saying the, the last word I hear. So it's Tonatzin Kotla Shope, which, uh, so that translated then to, you know, the Virgin Guadalupe. Um, but he had his vision there at um, the hill or mountain of Tepayek. And that for, before the Spanish came, that site was used to pay homage to Mother Earth, like long before Spanish came and brought Christianity. So so that's kind of how that that translation comes to be. Like I said, my connection to Earth is really strong. Um, and Tonatzin has been present in um, some of my astral projections and dreams long before I even knew who that was. And so, um, or long before I knew who she was. And my family also has a deep connection with the Virgin Guadalupe, as many indigenous uh, Mexicans do. And so she's always, you know, she's always been present 
in my life. And so uh, just making those connections through through uh, dreams and ancestral practices like that has kind of, that's what's always stood out about, about those things is her name. When I was doing research on, because I usually do research on the podcast guests that are coming in, and the more that I studied your page and the things that you were saying or whatnot, like, I felt a deep connection with it because I'm also Mexican. I grew up Catholic and I grew up in the tradition and I have always had a connection with the deities or the the virgins, the, the saints that Catholicism brings to the table, right? But not so much the approach, I'm no longer Catholic, but there is still something in me that still believes that they exist and that they still answer your prayers or whatnot. So it felt very personalized to me when I was seeing the whole decolonizing the medicine, but also when I started researching your page or whatnot and that word kept coming up. And then once it was translated, I was like, oh my God, it makes so much sense because not only are we decolonizing the medicine but we're decolonizing the way that we're thinking about things right because originally we thought you know the mother earth like you mentioned san diego said well this is our mother so this is how we're translating yeah that's what he saw yeah like what they're implementing in our beliefs so therefore we're gonna create the the image or not create but like incorporate our practices and the things that we do with whatever it is that we're being put to to actually practice right when we started being nice or whatnot so i think that's like a deeper understanding of how our traditions um came into play but also how we stuck with them right because at the end of the day we kind of stuck with with our beliefs like we incorporated a lot of our traditions as natives into whatever it was that we were being colonized with yeah exactly you know and i think that that speaks to just a such a i don't want to say resistance but it it's a resilience almost in our people and it's like well you know if he it's through his point of reference juan diego saw Tonatzin or the virgin mary whatever you want to say it it doesn't matter like she is and she's always going to be our sacred mother like you know no matter what language we're speaking, no matter where we are in the world, it's just always going to be a connector for us. And um, the bravery, because I think too, like when I when I think about that story as well, so think of the dangers of us practicing our native culture when these colonizers came came to be. So it's I feel that it was also um, one of those like surviving our traditions into whatever it was that, that was being implemented. And you see that all around. I mean, you see that in Puerto Rican traditions. You see that in, you know, other um, different um, Latino America um, practices where they had to hide their everything behind a saint. Exactly, um, yes. So now we're coming back to it being more acceptable that now we practice what it is that our native practice our ancestors practice so can we talk a little bit about the decolonizing medicine to me decolonizing medicine is incorporating ancient medicine with our current technology for a holistic approach um, but just bringing that that ancestral and ancient medicine kind of to the forefront like as a as even a preventative um, so right now modern healthcare has so many great advances but the system you know, neglects things like basic nutrition, preventative medicine, mental health, 
spiritual, you know, even pregnancy or even something as silly as dental, like it's not inclusive. It's not a holistic approach by any means. And so through the system that we, that we're working with, we're just given band-aids, right? But we have the knowledge and we can tap into, um, you know, solid ancient practices that do, that they support our health overall. And so, you know, we can fill in those gaps and bring those things to the forefront and use our ancestral medicine or even use, you know, sound therapies or things like that. Just really giving ourselves that, that boost to say, okay, I don't necessarily need to go to the doctor, but I do know that I need to go and, uh, you know, just go take a walk in the park or I need to um, have this tea that my grandma always would make for me when I felt this way. You know, it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? We can, we can take advantage of these advances, but we can bring our practices to the forefront so that we are healthier and we don't just run to the doctor every time we need, we don't feel good. All my listeners know that I have uh, been going through a lot with the anxiety and I chose to do a more holistic approach. I started the sound healing. I started um, doing a lot of more teas, meditation or whatnot. When we do actually have the the medicine that, that our doctors pre- prescribe or whatnot, it's more like a Band-Aid, I feel, at least, because like it's just addressing the issue right then and there but mentally, physically, spiritually, there's something going on. So like for me, for me, it was like, okay, I need to make changes. But if I would have had put a bandaid on it, I would have had never improved from my condition because it, w- it was always going to be like a bandaid in top of whatever it is that my soul wanted to deal with or wanted to kind of revolutionize within me. And um, when I did take the more holistic approach and started drinking teas and started doing all these things I felt so connected with uh the rose tea and I started doing like a whole bunch of uh different types of researches why the rose tea right you would think like oh chamomile will calm your nerves but I also found that every plant has its own spirit and when I connected, when I started drinking on a daily basis, and I was drinking maybe about like five teas a day, rose tea. And I started feeling the connection with her. I started like, um, I would bring roses and I will feel the same energy I will feel when I would drink it. And I was like, oh my God, there's a spirit of rose. You know, there has to be a spirit. Started doing my research and I was like, oh my God. So from there and on, I started talking to all the herbs like now I can't cut anything without talking to it <laughs> and they even taste different it's kind of like how I found that spirits are also in plants like I've always known that they're alive and there's energies but they really do bring something to your body like they they have a specific like role to play in your body and then I kind of changed it up because I, I think I didn't find the rose tea that I usually would drink and I changed it into a different one and it wasn't suiting me. <laughs> like I was I changed it to like chamomile and it wasn't working. And then I changed it to like um um hibiscus just to like calm me a little bit, like calm the blood pressure or whatnot. And it wasn't suiting me. So I was like, okay, because I, I already connected with the rose tea um spirit, like I have to I have to, you know, continue with that that practice or whatnot of experimenting with different types of plants and their energies and how they react completely different with our energies. 
Um, Rebecca, can you tell us a little bit of, I know we mentioned a little bit of like ancestor work and incorporating the, the knowledge of your ancestors into the practices that you're doing. What is the most valuable knowledge that you feel that your ancestors have given you? You know, I, I feel like, um, I feel like my ancestors, when I have talked to them about, um, or just interacted with them, uh, on a spiritual level in relation to what I do now, which is gardening and herbalism. Um, I feel like one of the best pieces of advice that I was given or things that are shown to me is that, um, is that everybody has an innate ability to grow the things that um, are important to our body and important to our lineage. Uh, so, and it, when I say that, it's like, I believe that I see a lot of people or I hear a lot of people tell me like, Oh, I can't grow this or I can't, I, there's no way, like, how can I do like a whole herb garden or how can I grow like all this stuff for my family? And the thing is, is that we all as humans, um, whether we're indigenous or we're, you know, indigenous to the Americas or indigenous somewhere else, or, you know, European, we all have the innate ability to, to steward the earth, knowing that that is a powerful gift that, doesn't necessarily belong to us individually it belongs to like the, the collective like human consciousness that, that this is why we are here on this planet a lot of times is somehow linked to um taking care of the earth and and what what if we don't take care of the earth and well then we don't have a place to to um to learn all these lessons and and be a part of this beautiful planet that that we have so it's been our planet's been entrusted, like Mother Earth has been entrusted into us and we're supposed to steward her. So, um, yeah, then we all have that in us. We can all do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as like a spiritual mentor, everybody always asks like, well, I don't have any abilities. And the thing is like what you just mentioned, um, you saying like everybody has it within them to actually grow. Um, I feel this, the same way about like spirituality because that's one aspect of you, right? Like you actually growing, you actually being in a sense fertile, right? Like you have a green thumb, so there you're able to grow something out of whether it's like your body or outside of your body or whatever. Um, but a lot of people don't trust like their intuition. Like not too long ago, um, and I want to say like maybe like about five years, I used to love orchids and I never could grow orchids. And then it was like, I always follow like, okay, put eyes, do this, do that. And I was like, wait a second. I don't think she wants eyes. I'm just going to water her every day and just like little by little, little by little. And my orchids grew like every year. They, they blossom almost three times a year, which is a lot. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, no, I'm just going to trust my intuition and see what the orchid wants because if I follow what everybody else is doing, it uh, it all depends. Like, my house is different. Like, everybody wants to put them by the window and I have direct light or whatever the case is. But it's different. I might not have a lot of lighting in my house, you know. So, you have to just trust your intuition into, like, how do you grow these things? Like, the basics are the basics, right? But, like, how do you grow certain things and um, use your intuition? Yeah, exactly. And... So much of uh, working with Mother Nature is um, it's not necessarily about growing things because like, you know, just the way that we're saying plants have energy, like we all have different energies that we work with. But 
there is, you know, some people's strengths are working with trees or, or building up soil or, or fungus. And, but we all have something within us that is, um, is, is meant to benefit, like is meant to steward and take care of the earth. Like we all have that in us. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, by the way, because um, I know for a fact that um, certain plants appeal to other people, like um, orchids m- might not appeal to everyone, but that that was that's my favorite plant. I've never been able to grow orchids either. Like, that's not my strength. <laughs> I, I will always kill them, always, and everyone will gift me orchids, and I will always kill them. But then I found that they're not as delicate as we think they are. It's just that um, we have to see them as like parasites because that's how they grow in type of trees, you know? So it's like, oh, yeah, that's true. It, just a little bit of water and just a little bit of sunlight. That's it. And leave them alone. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the only way that I was able to grow them, like actually just water them every day, but just a little bit. And they love the sunset. Oh, cool. My front window actually hit the sunset hits the front window. And that's where I have all of them. And I have like about eight of them that have been there for a while. And then obviously, like I mentioned, like the whole tea scenarios, right? Like I experimented with uh, several teas. Like I mentioned, like the rose tea was the one that actually gave me that comfort. But then again, I feel like the rose tea is also like more comforting, like more like a motherly energy kind of thing. So I think that's what my spirit kind of needed. Um, but then as I experimented with different types of, of herbs and different types of teas, I felt different, like different energies that kind of taught me um, aspects of myself and then how to address certain things in my spirituality. So what are some of the teas that you feel like could enhance someone's spirituality? We had talked about how plants do have, you know, individual energies, of course, they, and they all have different energies. So in ethnobotany, you know, whether it's like Lakota Sioux medicine or, um, you know, even Irish medicine or herbalism or, or Nahua medicine, in, in all of those things, they all have different properties and different aspects that, you know, are associated with different planets and things like that. So that that's uh, basically like I don't know if you've ever looked into astro herbalism. No, I have not, not yet. So there's a lot of different books about astro herbalism out there, and so in in all these traditions, like even Ayurveda, like certain plants are just they're you know um, maybe plants of the moon or plants um, that you know hold special significance in your chakras. Um, so so. All of those plants that I can think of for my own practice, um, especially like dreaming, like I love to focus on dreams and um, astral projection. So if you look into, uh, you know, Nahual medicine, uh, there are different ones, like each tribe has their own sacred plant that connects them with spirit. So one of my favorite ones is um, Kalea Zaka de Chichi, which is Aztec dream herb. And that one is, um, traditionally, it's been used to increase lucid dreaming. And so I love that about that, too, because while it is a connector to spirit, it's not anything like a hallucinogen or anything like that. It's just one of those dream herbs that is supposed to not only kind of helps your digestion at night, but helps you get to sleep and then also um, just kind of gives you that um, 
I guess maybe the REM sleep where you're a little bit more in control of what you're thinking or what you're dreaming about. So that's, those are some of the ones that I, or that's one of the ones that I can think of. Um, let's see another one, uh, especially in Ayurvedic medicine. Um, it's kind of, it's been more popularized. So blue Lotus is another one that has a significant connection to the moon. Um, and people all around use it. It's, I think, I believe it's an Ayurvedic medicine. So it's not, it's not from the Americas, but people grow it and, and it, there's a big demand for it. Um, so that one also is said to increase dreaming and astral projection um, or lucid dreaming, I guess. Uh, so that's another one that I can think of. Um, even uh, something as simple as um, Mexican marigold, uh, the pericon, um, I think is called in Spanish. So that one, um, so like a little mint kind of tastes like, uh, you know, licorice or anise a little bit. And people have different names for it all, all over. So I'm just using the English and the Spanish. So pericon is how I know it in Spanish. And Mexican mint is how I know it in English. Um, so that one, even though it's a mint tea, it's also really great for your digestion. And anything that is good for digestion is automatically going to help you sleep because your stomach needs to be that fully digested um, of whatever it's it's eaten through the day. And that will give more... Um, so if, it, if your stomach is still digesting at night, you're not going to get that blood flow to your head. So uh, as much, you know, you, you know you're not going to, it's not going to cut off blood, blood flow, but um, you, anything that is good for digestion is going to help you sleep. And so that will increase your chances of having REM sleep and having um, really good dreams and things like that. So those are, those are three of them. How fascinating. Yeah. So that one is really good. And there's even a, uh, documents out there uh you know the mexica would use that particular herb um what they would do is they well there's another herb that is very similar to that one and it's called hemia and hemia is a lot stronger version it's a lot more bitter but mexican mint is kind of the same it kind of has the same properties and it tastes better and so what they would do is they would ferment that herb mexican mint in uh, like a jar of water for three days and then you drink the contents and that's supposed to be like a really, I mean, not only like maybe it kind of grows some alcohol like kombucha, but it also gives you that, um, you know, that just that, that dream, more dream lucid state or lucid dreaming. I, I feel like it's fascinating because, um, you know, in spirituality, we talk a lot about trusting your gut instinct, right? Your gut intuition and, and what you were saying, like, okay, you got to address kind of the issues going on di um, in your digestion, right? In order for you to, like, freely be in your spirituality when you're sleeping. Um, so that's why I was like, oh, that's fascinating because it kind of ties into, it kind of ties like a loop in my mind um, or a loose end on my mind because that's where the whole gut intuition <laughs> is coming from. Like, clean that out. Make sure that it's not, like overly stressed or whatnot and then and then you mentioned what you're saying yeah absolutely exactly and so yeah intuition you know and if you want to think about it even as as chakras you know we we hold a lot of our solar plexus that you know that's all in the stomach right then maybe around like to the kidneys a little bit but that's all that chakra is solar plexus and solar plexus is all about you know um not only 
digestion, of course, on the physical, but it is about like our self-worth and our intuition and like, are we listening to ourselves and, or are we, you know, do we feel, how do we feel about these things? So, yeah. And so, you know, dreaming is a totally different state, right? Dreaming is all about, you know, our reflections and our shadows. And uh, a lot of times, um, you know, not not to say curses, but like generational traumas or things like that, or things that have happened in our past, we're trying to process all those things. You know, that's the, that's the, one of the best ways that I find to process any kind of trauma or any kind of um, like issue that I'm like, maybe a, a something I want to repattern or something to change in myself, like dreaming and sleep are just hands down the best way that I can process any of that stuff, especially spiritually. So, and surprisingly enough, like you can use a lot of herbs to do those things and to help you. But like, frankly, like I really love just even journaling, like just getting that chance to reflect on your dreams is going to strengthen your ability to dream, your ability to lucid dream or to process things in your, in your, in your physical world. Um, Journaling is like hands down the best way to do that. Absolutely. And dreams are important because it's like also a window to our subconscious. Like we we go on about our day just not thinking twice of the things that are happening. But then when we start dreaming, like it all comes back up. So absolutely, this is the, I think, like like you mentioned, like I also think that it is the best way to heal the traumas, process the things that you're processing and just move with your spirituality you know like you have answers to all of the things that that um you want to address you have answers to all of the things that you want to do it's just trusting that intuition you know trusting like you know doing ancestor veneration um which i i do i do practice that uh you know all year round or i try to i try to be consistent um that's also a big way in which you know things like that I feel come to our solar plexus a lot, our stomach, you know, we, we often will feel those things like our ancestors talking to us, like through that, you know, just that little gut feeling or that, you know, little, um, Hey, like maybe I should, maybe I should not do that or something. Listeners right now, we're, we're going through a lot of the ancestor veneration and how to start the veneration. So I guess that's that's also a start, you know, trusting intuition and gut health, right? <laughs> so making sure that your gut is taken care of and just how can you build that muscle without cleaning it first, right? <laughs> so um, bringing those things. The other thing that I saw on your page that absolutely made me fall in love with what you do is that you use everything in the plant. I've seen you do like um stuff with the roots with the actual leaves and with the bark right so it's not like you leave anything out like you could use everything for everything right or anything um what is your favorite herb like tell us what is the favorite herb that like you guys already know to me right now is 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 rose (laughs) what is your favorite herb i love all plants and especially herbs i love all kinds of herbs I would have to say that right now my favorite herb is um, uh, passion flower, which is one that I talked about um, in my class uh, yesterday. Um, so the the native Passiflora incarnata is a beautiful 
it looks like a little alien purple flower. Even uh, there's pink ones that I usually see the purple ones. Um, and that one is one of my favorites, not only because it grows wild here in, in San Antonio and South Texas and Mexico, um, that all of those things on the plant can be used and they can be used for different aspects of what you're trying to achieve. So for instance, um, the fruit of that passion flower, the little maypop, um, that is a really great, like I love it to just, you know, I'm out in the garden, I'm gonna eat it. It kind of tastes like pomegranate a little bit, slimy, um, but it also like kind of like makes me like want to take a little nap. So if I'm feeling kind of relaxed, you know, I have one of those and it just kind of helps you like get, uh, you know, just more relaxed. Um, but then if you use the stem and the leaves, which I pretty much use mostly the leaves for this, but the leaves are such a great um, anti-anxiety. Um, they really tend to calm the nerves a lot, you know, especially in the more stressful situations or if you're just kind of wound up at night and you want to just make sure that you can kind of, you know, come down for the night. That one's a, that's a great one for, for sleep. Um, and then the flower is an antispasmodic. So, um, and that basically is, means that, you know, it affects the nerves, but it, it relaxes like more of your, not so much anxiety, but like any kind of like nerve pain or nerve like irritation. Uh, so maybe even a pinch nerve. So, um, and, and in that case, like, those all all of those three all three of those things they serve a purpose which is to one like relax the body um but they all are very specific like the leaves you can use for one particular thing the flower you can use for some stronger things and the berry well i mean that's just fun and you know kind of makes you want to take a nap so <laughs> so that one's my favorite right now that sounds like something i will be interested in because you mentioned like the whole nerve thing and um since the anxiety portion happened, I feel like my nerves haven't actually calmed, if that makes sense, because I, I did go through a big period of um, anxiety attacks or whatnot. So it's not like calming down. But so that's, that's kind of interesting. I'm going to have to try it out to see how well my nerves work with that one. And right now is the perfect season for it. So we get, you know, this cycle around, like we didn't see a whole lot of Maypops or Passiflora, uh, you know, last year, but this year it seems like they're everywhere. And so they just, they're just having a great year. So you can definitely find them wild. They know. I think the, the earth in selves know when you need something, right? That too. Yes. I've, um, I've noticed that with my garden, like some years, there's certain things that grow a lot more than others. And I was like, okay, I get it. This is what you're trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. But it's also because like, our DNA is incorporated into the ground, right? Every time we touch the ground, it, it kind of um, grabs our sweat. It grabs like all of us, our essence of us. So they, they kind of spiritually know in a way. So I think it's so fascinating. I love that you said that. I always ex try to explain that to my clients when I go and they want me to put, you know, a garden or something in. And like, so my favorite thing really to do at their house, a lot of times if I'm done measuring or, or doing what we're doing, is just to kind of see what's in their yard. And almost, I'm, I'm not even kidding, like I'd say nine times out of 10, if I find something in their yard, they will tell me later, oh, like I need, you know, I'm kind of feeling like, you know, my knee's hurting or something like that, or like 
so-and-so has a has had a fever or whatever. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, that stuff that we found in your yard, that's really great for it. That's good for it. <laughs> it's yeah. so cool. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely amazing because um, sometimes we get frustrated, right? Like the whole, like, why isn't this growing? Well, just give the ground the time, you know? It's probably, it's probably not something you're doing wrong. It's probably that at the moment, you probably don't need as much as that. But I've had certain plants that, like, they they just grow like like bushes and others that don't and they're like they're like uh you know in the same plant family or whatever and i'm like so what happened there? <laughs> it's so cool though they they pick up on on the things that we need so mother earth is always um giving us the tools necessary in in any aspect so what is one thing that you will recommend a new person who's trying to do the holistic approach? Obviously, we're not medical doctors. Um, we're not here to advise medically. Um, but what is one thing that you would like someone who is new to the approach to always keep in mind? You know, if you want to do a holistic approach, start with your backyard. Start figuring out like what it is that you need, that you think your body needs, right? And, and realize that you probably have it growing in your yard. If not, you probably have it growing close by. There's something that is gonna help you. Um, so get to know your native uh, native plants and get to know like your, your, your lineage um, and what your lineage has used previously, you know, to, you know, those old folk remedies. Like there is, sometimes there's more relevance in how things are given to you than uh, whether or not it's it's effective for what or you know what science would say is effective for um, for a particular ailment you know nine times out of ten like the the land around us is picking up on our on our energy and so there definitely is something about finding or growing your own like so if you can't wild crop that's understandable but if you can grow your own and you know like what you need do that because it's going to mean 10 times more to you that you've harvested it and grown it and nurtured it and that plant is going to give you that back 10 times absolutely and it goes back to what i was telling you the whole when you speak to it and you tell that the process of what's going to happen we're going to be united by me you know ingesting you or you know whatever the case is it tastes different it does i'm not going to say natural because obviously all plants taste natural but it has a very uh like you feel good with the the action of either drinking it or actually like um, putting it together in a salad or whatever the case is so definitely bringing building that relationship with your plants as well so rebecca you offer a couple things you obviously just mentioned that you offer the services of um helping others grow their 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 garden or whatnot what other services do you do uh, so uh, through Two Hills Gardening, um, obviously we do offer uh, gardens for people, not only rain gardens, but uh, vegetable gardens, herb gardens, um, even native and pollinator gardens. Um, so just helping you embrace your, your own space, right? We can, all, we can all do a little bit in our own space, um, bringing back the land um, bringing, and healing, healing the, the, the soil and the land. Um, but uh, and as uh, two hoes too, we also do a lot of education. We've done work with um, educators and UT Health Science Center in 
you know, helping them also bring, you know, kind of like a garden therapy, like bringing that uh, aspect of my job or like my extremely stressful job, like, you know, knowing that I can go and connect with the earth, you know, here at my work or at this community garden. Um, so that's another thing we've been really, we've been really working on is, is educating educators or educating um, just anybody, really. We still work with kids a lot. Um, and then for Tonatzin Botanicals, like, of course, I really try to focus on sleep and dream. That's, that's kind of like my focus right now. Um, so I love uh, doing those things and um, making those products. So teas, soaps, oils, herbs, or, or tinctures. Um, and so I do, I do sell those, those tinctures at, you know, certain markets. And then also I sell at Cosmic Vegan, which is a place on um, 1604 in Shanefield. Um, so they sell my products there. Um, and also like, I, you know, I'm an educator, you know, forever be an educator. That's just me. Uh, so I also just finished up around the classes, or I'm sorry, I have one more class with La Fuerza. And so talking about our, um, the Nahua book, the La Lieye Kopali, um, which is a book of ancient Nahua medicine. Uh, so I've been really loving, it's been really fun to get that information out to people. And so I always have a good time and I can nerd out on plants all I want, so. You're living your dream where you just talk about the things that you want to talk about. <laughs> Mine's <is> spirituality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, no, exactly. And it's, it's so nice. I, I do like that's where I shine is like anything nature, but definitely herbs is my passion. Amazing. And that's a good passion to have, right? <laughs> you can never get enough of, of it. And it brings back to, um, to you and in many different ways, shapes and forms. How can our listeners find you? So for Two Loves Gardening, uh, you can find me, like we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, and we have our website, twoloosgardening.com. Uh, but then uh, for Tonatzin Botanicals, um, I have a website, tonatzinbotanicals.com. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, although I do check Instagram a little bit more. So um, that's usually where I, I receive most of my messages. I appreciate everything you brought and the listeners already now know where to find you. And there's a lot of products in her website as well that you guys could check out. Thank you so much, Rebecca. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Share this episode with someone who's on their spiritual journey. And if you guys would like to see more spiritual content, in the description below, there's a link where you guys could go straight to my Instagram and straight to my TikTok. Make sure to follow both because in both platforms, I have different content. So make sure to follow both. Once again, thank you guys for listening and have a great one.